This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to Perak Ayin in Tehillim. This Perak is short, and yet we are all going to be walking away from this class with a tremendous amount of insight and beautiful new lessons to apply to our daily lives. Um, real treasures. We're going to walk away from here with beautiful treasures that we could really use. So I'm really looking forward to teaching this parak in as a schus for, for Shalema, for Gittel Etel Bas Liba, and Sarah Pesel Bas Hensha Yenta, who is actually one of our and Tehillim listeners, and she's going through a difficult time. She needs her for Shalema. So let's all... Um, please try to keep her in mind and daven for her going forward. Okay, so let's look at Parak Ayin. In Parak Ayin, David is escaping from his son Avshalom. Now, we spoke about this in the past. His son Avshalom was trying to overthrow him, was trying to kill him and become the king, and he rallied a big group of followers to help him do this. Wow, like, what a major tsara. His, his own son. His own son. It wasn't somebody else. It was his own son. And he's asking Hashem here in this parak, you know, he's pleading with Hashem to save him and to make his enemies pay for their misdeeds so that they should repent. And he's even bringing up a past merit that, you know, he wants to use to invoke Hashem's rachamim. Now we have to understand and we have to, we have to make sure to note here that David recognizes that this tzara that he's going through with Avshalom has come about because of the sin that he committed with Bathsheba. So because of the sin that he committed, he is now going through this difficult ordeal, this terrible, horrific ordeal. Now, at the same time, though, and this is the main lesson, I'm going to be teaching lots of less, little less, little, little big lessons in this parak, but the main lesson, the main theme that I want to bring across is the theme of that we learned from David, the, from the fact that although he knows and he expresses that he understands that the Torah is coming about because of him, at the same time, he's still asking for Rachamim, and he's asking for Rachamim not in a regular way. He says, Chusha, he says, Al Ta'achar, he tells Hashem three times, do it quickly, and three times. So he, he, you know, a person who doesn't feel that they're, that they have any dignity left, a person who doesn't feel any self-respect is not asking for a favor in that way. He he hold on he held on to his self worth. He even brings up a, a merit that he wants to remind Hashem to invoke Rachamim. So we see a huge lesson from this parak that David is holding on to his self worth, and he's not just seeing things as black and white, like I did a sin and I'm bad. He's not over letting that sin overshadow all the good that he's done in his life as a king of Klal Yisrael, and he's holding on to his self worth. And we could see that clearly in the words of the parak. So at the end of the parak, I'm going to offer for all of us, because we all, you know, we, we all make mistakes, and we tend to put ourselves down, we tend to be very, very hard on ourselves, and David here is showing us by example that in order to live productive, joyful lives as Ovde Hashem, we have to be able to forgive ourselves, to hold on to our self-esteem, to not see our whole self through the lens of one mistake, or even a few mistakes, or even a lot of mistakes. So at the end of the parak here, I'm going to offer a three-step process to help all of us in a very tangible way 
that we should be able to move forward and not see ourselves through the lens of our misdeed. Okay, so let's look at Pasuk Aleph. For the leader of David to remember. So what is this lahazkir? What, what does he mean to remember? So what he's saying here, what, you know, the word lahazkir, the fact that he's asking Hashem, Hashem, remember me, is showing us so clearly his emotional state. He's feeling like a desperate fugitive who is completely forsaken by God. He's feeling forgotten. He's feeling like, I have to remind Hashem that I exist. Lahazkir, that Hashem should remember. And the message for us here is very clear. Sometimes in life we go through a challenge and we feel Hashem close to us. And it's easier to get through because we have that strength by our side. And hopefully it should always be that way. But unfortunately there are also times where people go through difficult parshas and they're feeling lonely. They're not feeling connected. They're not feeling Hashem next to them. Sometimes it actually feels like Hashem disappeared and slammed the door. So just to give you a personal example, I was once feeling this way. And I, I was on the phone with a friend and I was exp- a, a very close confidant. I was expressing my feeling of feeling like Hashem disappeared and slammed the door, precisely as I said it. And she said to me something that I take with me with, you know, and I, I use it to help inspire others and to remind myself when I need inspiration. She said to me, Yael, this is your final exam. What does this mean? What was she trying to say to me? She was trying to say that Hashem didn't forget about you and just like get busy with other things and goodbye and you're forgotten about. This is deliberate. This is a test. This is Hashem saying, Yal, are you going to see, are you going to go through this difficult time where you don't see me and look for me and remind me, right? And send me memos and hold on to your bitachon and be persistent and remember that I'm here right by your side? Or are you going to forget and just say, forget it? And I, I you know, just say, Hashem is not taking care of me and I'm just going to go, you know, ruin my life, chas v'shalom, with negative things, like, and unfortunately, all too often, this is what happens, people go down the wrong road with drugs and gambling and addictions and all sorts of uh, damaging, destructive things. So she was saying, this is the final test. This is the nisayon. This is where we see, is Yah going to be able to reach up past herself and hoist herself up to a new level of connectiveness, of trust, and 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 reach upon though and and grab onto those higher levels of trust that she has yet to grab hold of, or is she going to stay stuck and go downwards? And you know that's what challenge is. Challenge is the meeting point between two levels, between two uh, levels of growth, two stages, right between two places. And if you pass that challenge and you lift yourself up, you're now at a new level. You up-leveled yourself. So that's what she meant when she said, Yal, this is your final exam. Like She was saying, Yal, you've been doing so much work. You've had so much bitachon. And, and, and you've gotten yourself to a certain level. You've gotten yourself to a certain place. And now Hashem is saying, okay, if you want to go to the next level, you want to conquer this level, move on upwards, you got to pass the final exam. This one's going to be harder than ever. And that gave me a tremendous amount of chizok to be persistent and to continue on and to keep on holding on to my faith. 
So that's what David's telling us here. In those times, remember, Lahazkir, send Hashem a memo. Don't stop. Keep davening to him. Keep holding on to your bitachon. Keep working on yourself. And you will see miraculous salvation. Pasuk Beis. Elokim lahatzileni Hashem azrasi chusha. So Elokim lahatzileni. We're using two different lashonos here of talking about Hashem. Elokim is referring to the attribute of din. And Hashem is referring to, when we talk about Hashem, the name Yodke Vavke Adoshem, we're referring to the attribute of Rachamim that Hashem has. So let's look at this for a minute. Elokim Lahatzileni. He's saying here Hashem, and this is where we see that he understands that this Sarah is brought about because of his own sin. He's saying, you know, Hashem, the, the, the strict judge, he's referring to Hashem when he says Elokim as the strict judge. Please save me. Because he recognizes that Hashem is a strict judge because he just did a sin. And then he says, Hashem Rasi chusha. Now he's activating the Rachamim. So basically, like it's like he's saying, once you agreed to help me out despite whatever sin I did, okay, now I need you to do it fast. You know, it's like when you ask someone a favor and you finally get them to agree and then you're like, okay, now I just, you know, now that you agreed to help me out with this huge favor, could you just do it quickly? Could you just do it better? Could you just do it differently? So, um, you know, that's where he's invoking the Rachamim. Another explanation is that the Alshech says that he's, this is very beautiful. He's saying, Elohim, right? I know that when it comes to saving me, I need to call upon the strict judge because I, I deserve judgment. I sinned. But when it comes to my enemies, when you, you know, saving me means getting rid of my enemies. So when it comes to Lazrasi Chusha, when you're coming to my aid quickly and taking care of my enemies, then use Hashem. Use the attribute of mercy. Use the Yudke Vavke. Don't destroy them. Just get them to repent. Just do whatever the, the smallest amount that they need in order to get them to repent. Have mercy on my enemies. And there's a truly uh, beautiful lesson that we could all take from here. And that is that a, a real, a person who's really looking to grow, a person who's spiritually aligned and attuned, the more a person follows in that path, the easier it, it's going to be for them to rise beyond the smallness of the smallness of wanting retribution. So just because somebody did something bad to us doesn't mean that it's, it's not going to help to stoop to their level. And that's what David is showing here. They wanted his life, right? What could be worse than that? And yet he's calling upon Hashem's Rachman not to destroy them. How can we take this idea into our own personal relationships? Let's let's consider that. Let those who seek my life be embarrassed and ashamed. The word v'yachperu, chafar, the shorash chafar means to dig, right? He's saying, Hashem, dig up all their deep, dark things and bring it to light. Bring it to the surface. Make them feel ashamed. Make them feel embarrassed. Now, the question is, we just said that David doesn't want them to be hurt. Doesn't, David doesn't want them to be destroyed. So why is he here asking for such a, for such a terrible thing that they should be ashamed and embarrassed? Like, that's the worst. Like, who wants to be ashamed and embarrassed? Why would he wish this upon them? So Rav Hirsch explains that with, when it comes to ordinary people, ordinary people will only realize that they're doing the wrong thing. They'll only start thinking about making a U-turn once they experience the feelings of failure. Once they experience the negative consequences of their actions and they actually feel the guilt and the shame and the ichiness that comes along with it, that's what's going to trigger them, hopefully, to, to, to return and to do, and to change. 
But so, for example, like a like a a kid, let's say who's in class wasting his time, he's not listening to the Rebbe. He can't sit in his seat. He's chewing gum. He's passing notes, and he's the whole time thinking, "I'm justified in doing what I'm doing because this Rebbe is awful, and this school is a waste of time, and blah 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 blah." Right, all that he, you know, he's swaggering around, confidently chewing his gum, making bubbles, you know, walking around swaggering like he owns the school. Until when? Until he gets back his first test paper with a big red F on it, and he has to bring it home, and he has to feel embarrassed, and he has to get it signed by his parents, and his mother, who thought he was the biggest angel, is now angry and upset, and he's feeling icky about it. That's when he's going to consider maybe getting his act together in school. So David understands this. David recognizes very clearly that the way to get a person to repent is through the feelings, those negative emotions that they're going to feel when they experience the consequences of their own actions. Now, my question to all of us is, that I want to put out there is, you know, we, us, Tantahillim listeners, we're, you know, that are coming on here week after week, trying to grow and improve and hear inspiration. We don't want to be ordinary. Clearly, we're not looking for ordinary. We are looking to be extraordinary. So now I ask, right, if, if Rav Hirsch is saying this is how you be an ordinary person, that you only change when you feel the consequences of your actions, how can we become extraordinary? So, my friends, the way to become extraordinary is to actually actively preempt the consequence, the ichi feeling that you get when you get that consequence. It's to preempt it. It's to keep your finger on the pulse, to keep looking in the mirror, to keep an eye, to keep your eyes wide open and to ask myself, what needs working on? What needs fixing in advance before you have to end up experiencing the negative consequence? It says in Mishlei, Al tochach leitz penyes na'eka, hochach lechacham v'yoaveka. Don't give musr, don't rebuke a scoffer because he's just going to hate you. You're not going to get anywhere. But you should rebuke a chacham, a wise man, because he, with him, he's going to love you if you rebuke him. He wants the rebuke. So this is giving us insight into how we could actually become extraordinary, how we could be, work on ourselves by wanting to see the rebuke, by wanting, by, and this is hard, I myself, right, I, I don't love criticism, none of us love criticism, but by wanting to look in the mirror and to step out of our denial, step out of our comfort zones and see what needs work here. I recently had a friend over. She was actually out of, from out of town and she was sleeping in my house for about a week. And she was really seeing the ins and outs of how I am with the children in the house and how the family dynamic works. And she, I, you know, at one point I built up the courage and I, and I, I really trust her as, uh, you know, as a friend and as actually even like as someone I look up to. She's a very special person. And I, and I said to her, like, I, I need to ask you a question. You've seen me dealing with my kids. I need, I need, I need an outside opinion. What do I need to work on? I know things are not perfect here. Things need polishing. I'm just like any other mother. And I, I want to know what to focus on. And she said, are you sure you want me to tell you? And I said, gulp. Um, you know, yes, it's going to be hard and it's not going to be easy to hear, but I want you to tell me because it's going to be worth it. And so she told me, she told me what she, you know, she said just one thing I want to tell you. And she told it to me and long story short, her and I are no longer friends. Okay. I'm kidding. We're friends. Um, we're better friends than ever. And I learned an amazing 
lesson from her. I kind of knew it myself in the back of my mind, but I needed someone to bring it to light. And since then, Baruch Hashem, I've seen big, big positive changes with, uh, you know, in the family dynamic. So I'm very grateful to her for that. But the point is, um, this is what we have to do if we want to be extraordinary. We have to step outside of our comfort zone and look for the critiques. Ask people, ask yourself, um, what needs change? Next Pasuk says, So the people who say, and the Mepharshim say, is like, is like a cry of happiness, like, aha, aha, like the people who say, aha, and they're happy to see me, my downfall, and to see my suffering, to see me getting sick, and to see me getting chased after, and whatever it is, those people, you should, they should feel the shame and embarrassment, and, but in contrast to them, all the people who are seeking you, who want to get close to you, you should make them rejoice, right? The, the bad people should ha- should be embarrassed, but the people who want to be close to you, Hashem, they should be yasisu v'yismuchu. They should rejoice. Why? V'yomu tamid yigdal elokim ohave yishuasecha. Because those ohave yishuasecha, those people who love your salvation, who wait for your salvation, who pay attention to your salvation, who make a big deal and talk about it and and write about it and feel the gratitude of it, those people v'yomu tamid yigdal. Elokim. Those people will, will constantly be saying that Hashem's name should be extolled. So what does this mean? Basically, what he's saying here is that the people who are close with you, Hashem, the people who love your Yeshua, the people who wait for your, for when you save them and bring them good things, those are the people that they hold on to those things. They have a they have a bank account. You have a bank account with them. You have credit with them. So that when the difficulties come, they'll still tamid, vayomu tamid, even through the difficult times. Always they'll be able to say yigdal elokim. Hashem's name should be great because they have so much of that good in their pocket. They have it so close to them. Therefore, they're so confident that when the negative things happen, that that too is what's best for them. And this is why when we say, we say, Elsewhere in Tehillim, it says, this Pasuk, and what it's saying is, one of the explanations for it is, When we speak during the day, during the boker, when things are going well, when we speak about your kindness when things are going well, right? When we're that person who's the Ohave Yeshua Secha, we're part of those people. Then, then in the nighttime, when things are not going so well, we'll, we'll be able to hold on to our Amuna because we'll realize it's the same God, the same God who took such good care of me, who brought me everything I needed, is that same one who's bringing me this difficulty. They'll be able to handle it so much better. Um, just as a, on a personal note, I've been keeping track of Hashem's blessings in my life for a while now, more than more than I have in the past, like in a real deliberate way. And I speak about it a lot, and I encourage all of you to do it. And what happened was, you know, I was I was doing that, and then what happened was last year. Um, before the school year, I was looking for a certain position. I was being a little picky, granted, but I wanted a certain type of teaching position, and I was looking for it, and it didn't pan out. It didn't work out. I was frustrated. 
But at the same, and it was, it was frustrating. I was going into the new year, into the new school year, and I didn't see a way for me to keep myself busy and productive and fulfilled and to make money. Like I didn't have that in my pocket. And it, it, it could have been very, very scary. But instead, it was just a little frustrating. Why? Because I knew I, I had been keeping track of Hashem's chasadim in my life for so long already that I knew with such clarity that if this is not working out, Right. And I, and there was a few other things also that fell through. And I was really going into the year with nothing in sight. And I just, but I had this intuition and I had this strong sense that if this is not working out, there's something better on the way and it's going to be here very soon. And then I'm going to understand why this happened. And sure enough, because I had time that year, I started with my Tia and Tehillim classes. It never would have came about had I been had had I been busy with this other position. And through my Tehillim classes, I'm able to reach so many more people, including the population uh, that I wanted to teach in the classroom, them and others. I've been able to reach so many more people through these classes. And this is a, to me, this is the perfect example of Lahagir Baboker Chasecha Vemunascha Balelos that if we're in touch with the goodness and the kindness of Hashem in our life, we'll have a much easier time going through the difficulty. We'll be able to face it with emuna. So this is so that's what David's saying here that these people who mevakshecha ohave Yeshua secha, the people who seek you, who love your salvation, yasisu v'yismechu. Make them happy. Do this for them. Put me back at my post as their king for them so that they could be happy and rejoice. Because if they're happy and they rejoice and they notice that you're doing a Yeshua for them, they're going to constantly, it's going to be like a great investment because they're going to take it and then they're going to remember it and they're constantly going to be singing your praises even through the difficult times. He's saying, but I'm poor and destitute. Hashem, hurry up and help me. So with these words here, you know, what does it mean David's poor and destitute? Is he poor and destitute? He's the king of a prosperous nation. He, he conquered rich, rich nations and he, 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 he conquered world powers. How could he be poor and destitute? He wasn't poor and destitute. So we learned from here what he's saying is he's bringing up, here's where he's bringing up his, one of his greatest merits. He's saying, yeah, I was wealthy, but then what happened? I took all my treasures and I used it to purchase materials for the Beis HaMikdash. The mistakes that I make do not overshadow the good. Yes, his mistake had huge ramifications. And it was something that really he could never take back because he gave us Hashem's haters fuel to curse Hashem and to hate Hashem. And yet he has no problem here referring to his merits because he recognizes that my mistake, that my sin doesn't define who I am as a person. Okay, so we learned some beautiful lessons here in this parak. Just to sum them up, number one, we said, keep sending Hashem memos. Don't give up. Don't stop reconnecting with Him. Don't stop asking for help, even when you feel forgotten. Uh, David is showing this to us so clearly. Who, who could have feel, felt more forgotten than him who was running away from his own son? So remember that, you know, that's the first lesson here. Remember that whatever you're dealing with, if you're feeling alone in it, if you're feeling forgotten, it's your final exam. Number two, great people don't wish bad on others. Let's be people who could rise above the smallness of wanting and needing to speak badly of others and to have and to take nakama on them. Number three, don't be like the. Let's not be the ordinary type. 
the the people who only recognize that we did the wrong thing when we hit that wall and when we when we when we feel the pain and we feel the busha and we feel the shame and we see the consequences of our actions instead let's preempt the failure by doing chesed nefesh by looking by keeping our finger on the pulse of who we are and who we want to be and 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 asking people like what do I need to work on asking ourselves what do I need to work on taking an account of of everything that we're doing and number four. Make sure that you keep the evidence of the boker. Keep that evidence very clear in your mind. Have that list right next to you. Wake up thinking about it. Go to sleep being grateful for it so that in the lelos, we'll be able to get through it with a much greater sense of emuna. And the main lesson that we said, and that's what I really want to give you a very practical tool for, is this idea of feeling worthy despite our mistakes, not letting our mistakes bowl us over. And we learned this very clearly from David here. Um, somebody recently told me, you know, part of why I wanted to teach this is because um, somebody recently told me, and I say this with her permission, even though of course I'm not going to say her name, you know, she was she she told me I could tell you this because this really, this is what mostly inspired this um, this topic when I was reading this parak. Um, she said that, you know, she was really feeling stuck. She came to me for help, but she was feeling stuck in an area of her life. And we did some, you know, a meditation together. And what came up was that she had deep shame from something that she had done as a little five-year-old kid. It was something shameful that she felt she had done back then, and, and she didn't even realize how much it was affecting her life when we went into the meditation. That's the image that came up for her. And she realized, I'm still feeling less than. All these years later, I'm feeling less than because of a shameful thing that I did when I was five years old. So we don't even realize how toxic this shame and guilt that we're carrying around is. We don't even, we can't even begin to imagine how much it could be affecting our life in the present day. And so it's so important to keep in mind, you know, Albert Einstein said, failure is just success and progress. If we don't fail a million times, right, there's only a limit to how successful we could be. We have to fail in order to succeed. So this is a process that's going to help you. And in order to teach you this process, I'm going to give you an example. The example is that, of course, this never happened to me. I just want to put that out there. This is just something that happens to other people. Um, basically, you know, we, we had a bunch of, you know, we had a lot of time without the kids going to school recently. And uh, Baruch Hashem, now they're going back to school. And we're, you know, so carpool is starting up again. So let's say... Um, this lady, she has carpool, and her carpool is Wednesday at 3 o'clock. But she hasn't done carpool in a long time. So comes Wednesday, this Wednesday at 3 o'clock. And uh, where does she find herself? Unfortunately, she is uh, not uh, in her minivan on the carpool line. But instead, she finds herself in an, an appointment in Manhattan. Oops. Uh, you know, and she doesn't realize this, of course, until she gets that beautiful, joyful, exciting phone call from the Rebbe, who's standing there with five little four-year-olds, and, uh, you know, schwitzing, and, and, and worried, and anxious to go home already, and he's going, uh, Mrs., uh, you know, blank, where are you, you know, and then you get, you're getting clicked in by all the other mothers in the carpool, and your heart starts pounding, and you're getting all fire, you're feeling that burning embarrassment, and regret, and shame inside, and why do I know all these feelings? Again, it's I heard it from other people, right? Um, never, never happened to me. So, 
what happens at that very moment? You're probably putting yourself down and talking down to yourself, right? So that's where we want to bring in this tool that I want to teach you. And it's a tool that I call nice to self. It's called nice to self because the Rashi tables, the N, T, and S spell out the, the steps that I want you to take. So the N stands for normalize. Normalize means validate. It's okay, right? Nothing's going to happen. The kids are waiting there in the, in the hallway. They're probably playing ball, not even caring or noticing. They're having a great time. The other mothers will understand. We're all human. It, it was coming off of Yantif or coming off of a time where there was no school. Like it's, it makes sense that I made a mistake and it's not the end of the world. So normalize it, take it down in your mind, stop catastrophizing it, bring it down to a rational, like, really, like, what did I do already? You know, my grandmother, Allah Shalom, used to say, and like all of us cousins, we always remind each other of this when we're in need of hearing it. Um, she used to say, like, when we complained that we made, we did something wrong, she would say, like, did you kill? Did you steal? Like, what did, you know, she really put it in perspective already. Like, let's not, you know, we tend to catastrophize things. Like, <gasps> nobody else would do this. This would never happen to anyone else. Only I missed the carpool. Da, 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 you know, like, we go down that road. So bring yourself away from that road and be nice to self and start out with the N, which is normalize. And then the T stands for take a lesson. So, of course, that feeling of shame, right, it's there for a reason. So let's do what it's there for. Let's take a lesson, right? And once we do that, we'll have an easier time waving goodbye to the feeling. Bye. I don't need to feel you anymore. I'm taking the lesson out of you. And now you don't serve a purpose for me anymore, right? So take the lesson out of the feeling. What's the lesson? Make a Kabbalah for the future. How am I going to be more vigilant next time not to let this happen? Maybe you'll put a reminder on your phone or a sticky note on your steering steering wheel or figure out a way to set yourself up for success for the next time. And then the S, nice to self, the S stands for shift. Now that you took your lesson, you are ready to move into shifting to seeing the positive in yourself. Let's not forget, right? David says, I built the, ba- I, I, I got the materials ready for the base Hamikdash. What do you do right? I bet you do tons more right than you do wrong. Think about all the love that you show your family. Think about all the giving that you do, all the chesed that you do. Focus, shift to focusing on the good in yourself. Now, full disclosure, I completely made this up out of thin air. This process is made up. Um, but, but, and the big but is, I actually used it, um, I used it, and what happened was, I actually, like, I was, I don't remember where I was, but I had said something to someone that was kind of dumb, you know, you know that feeling when you say something dumb, and you're like, why did I just say that, and like, it was hard, I was walking around swimming in that feeling, that awful feeling, for a while, and then I remembered, wait a second, I'm the Tianta Helen lady. I have to be nice to myself. If this is what I'm preaching, then I got to do it too. So I stopped and I said, okay, let's go through the steps. Nice to self. And I went through the process. I normalized. I took a lesson and I shifted. And I have to tell you, it completely dissolved my negative feelings. I was able to move on with my day and completely forget about it. So yes, I made it up, but it's tried and true. And I suggest that you should try it in your own life because why not? So ask yourself, what am I holding over myself? Maybe there's something from your past 
that you're shameful about. Maybe something that you did while you were raising your kids that you're regretting or the way you treated your spouse or you hurt somebody's feelings. What have you done that you're not quite getting over? Bring it up and you and do this process on it. And hopefully through being kind and forgiving ourselves, we'll be able to Hashem, live joyful, productive lives and bring naches to our families, naches to the Rabbanu Shalom. Have a very good day.